Hello and good evening, everyone. This is Kevin Finkel. Welcome to the 12th episode of Magic the Final Frontier. On this podcast, we discuss the Frontier format, keeping our listeners up to date with what is new, interesting, and powerful in the world of Frontier. And I am Matt Murday, a Magic nerd and Frontier fanatic. And I'm Kevin Handlin, host of the Untap Open League and a Frontier grinder. All right, guys, so uh, how have you been lately? You know, it's been a little bit of time off. We uh, took a week off there for the holiday. Actually, um, we want to mention, moving forward, we might start doing this release every other Monday, so we're going to kind of have a, a set release date. Anyone who's been waiting up for us, that should be when we're uh, when we're planning to release. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we'll let him talk about it, but Matt had some things come up with school, and so he needs to dedicate a lot more of his attention to that, and we're going to do everything we can to accommodate him. Yeah, so the unfortunate news I have to share today is just that uh, basically there was a strike at my school and that kind of delayed everything. And in the meantime, I basically started my career uh, with, a, with a good company. So now I'm now that the strike's over, I'm having to both do the job and finish school, which just leaves me with a lot less uh, magic time than I'd really like. And unfortunately, I'll be around less anyway. I'm probably aiming for once every other episode or something like that so we'll see how it goes all right but i'm glad to have the whole dream team here and uh (laughs) hopefully have a good episode (laughs) whenever we have matt on it'll be it'll be great but uh i think kevin and i will be able to cover it otherwise and you know we're going to stay open to uh any other kind of guests that we can have onto the show yeah absolutely i'm actually really looking forward to having more opportunities for guests and man when we have the dream team it's going to be like getting the band back together so (laughs) all right (laughs) all right so the first big thing i want to talk about in tonight's episode is a response to the professor in tolarian community college so for anyone who doesn't know he's a much beloved figure in the magic community and he did a video on the latest from the vault product looking at whether the cards in it have value, how much you should really buy it for. And, you know, his real big point was that if the cards in here are being played, then they're going to have value. And if they're not being played, then it's not going to be so great of a set. That was kind of what I took away from that. Did you guys get a chance to watch this uh, video? I didn't watch the video, but on the subject of FTV Transform, please, Mm -hmm. Wizards, just give us Huntmaster and Frontier. Please. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I would love Huntmaster and Frontier. That would be so amazing. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, I did watch the video, and it's actually one of the reasons that we're talking about it tonight, because, uh, man, that comment section was straight fire. Oh, I was in there, yeah. It was, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll talk about that. But the big thing I really want to say is thank you to the professor. Thank you for talking about Frontier. We love it when voices bigger than our own recognize Frontier, and how it can be a home to some of those cool cards that really aren't played elsewhere. But we also want to talk about some of the decks that he mentioned in that episode, because, you know, he's saying that some of these will have uh, specific homes, and I don't know uh, where he's getting his data from. Maybe he's getting something from a few months old. Like, isn't there some kind of rule where if the professor's more than 15 minutes late, do we do we leave here? Because I think he's like three months late on some of this data. So we want, <laughs> you know, we want a response here. We're going to update him with what are these cards actually being seen in front here, and does that make the From the Vault maybe worth it? So, well, I think it's more than that too, right? Because it's more like, could this card ever see play in Frontier? And what's the archetype that it would fit into right now? Cause, Absolutely, yeah. You know, like, you know, Gisela broke the Broken Blade, doesn't see a lot of play in Frontier, but who knows when something's going to come along that could change that. Right, who knows when we're going to need that white four drop that's not a Gideon, Ally of Zendikar, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
All right, so let's jump right into it then. You know, I'm going to mention what the professor said. Hey, this is a place in Frontier, where he did say this is a place in Frontier it's being played. And we can talk about that. We can also talk about where we think it actually is being played, either now or some point in the future. So you mentioned Gisela the Broken Blade, and there's also, you know, Bruno the Fading Light kind of goes along with that. Is it worth talking about them separately? Are we ever going to see Gisela just on her own, or are they kind of a, a, a pair here that we're going to see them together if we see them at all? I think Giselle is just not efficient enough a creature for Frontier to see it on its own. She's not bad mm-hmm. at all, but at four mana, she's not like way above. She's not a seed, Ryan. Oh, she, you know, she's nothing crazy. So I think probably we're looking for a uh, what? What's the mix card name? The Brazil, or uh, Brazil, yeah, 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 Brazella, uh, yeah. Voice of Nightmares. So I think you're you're probably looking for that kind of win condition if you're playing her. And like Brazil is a hell of a card. Like she. She is very strong, for sure. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah, as long as, you know, these kind of Jund mid-rangey decks, these green-based mid-range decks are coming back, I could see another place where Brazella sees a similar role to what an Emrakul fills. Right, absolutely. And we are, I mean, currently, at least in the metagame, we're definitely seeing that it's slowing down a bit and that there's a lot of room for Jund mid-range and Emrakul is kind of the top dog right now. And that does mean that there could be opportunities for reemergences of five drops and four drops that are kind of unexplored at the moment so the fun thing about that is that uh turbo emercool doesn't actually have anything that can stop brazella and as long as you have more than 13 life when emercool swings brazella wins the race that is a really mm-hmm. cool thing hey uh are you working on a counter tech for emercool we'll see <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to show my hand too much. So the place where I might see some interest in Bruna Gisela is that Thalia's Lancer just got a whole lot better now that Planeswalkers are legendary. Yeah, totally. So it kind of plays into that same deck where you know you find the one Bruna, you use the Bruna to grab Gisela out of the graveyard, or you grab the Lancer, who then grabs Gisela out of the out of your deck. I mean. I don't know, like, because like Lancer already is a four mana card, right? And like most, it's a five mana card. Five mana, and most Planeswalkers are are pretty up there too, right? Especially in white. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I mean, the deck you're describing to me is pretty slow. I don't know. I don't know about <laughs> it, man. All right, I, I understand. You don't want to grab the like the six mana Sorin or like the uh, Vraska. Oh maybe. my god, dude! Six mana <laughs> Sorin? Are you kidding me right now? Uh, yeah, well, six mana Sorin is way better than Vraska. Way better. Oh yeah, Frasca's on. Yeah, I think I think here. if you're in if you're in Abzan colors, you'd probably just want the uh, the Soren. All right, but let me bring up what the professor said. This is probably the one where I think he was most off. He said that Gisela right now is being played in Frontier in Mono White Eldrazi. Is that a deck we know? I mean, I don't know about it, but that doesn't mean it's not a deck. It doesn't mean it couldn't <laughs> right. be a deck. Like, I feel like Eldrazi pretty good white's white's also a good color yeah and brisella voice and voice of nightmares is a hell of a card i i could be convinced i'm not like i don't i don't see that and think oh yeah definitely but it, it's not so far-fetched that i don't think there's any value to what he's saying right i agree and one of the archetypes that we see emerging in legacy right now is eldrazi and taxes and we actually have a number of the cards that are played in eldrazi and taxes in frontier so 
And anytime that you see like a large mass of cards that are played in a more powerful format than Frontier, and a, a large part of that spell base is active in Frontier, there's always possibility for an archetype that can emerge around that, in my opinion. Okay. But I mean, you, you are right that like classically in Frontier, Giselle is not not a top notch threat, but mm-hmm. but has potential. You know, I'm not I'm not going to write it off. Okay, let's go to another white angel that flips over here. We've got Archangel Avison, mm. or Avison the Purifier on the backside. So the professor says, "Hey, this is seeing play right now in Frontier in Esper Agro decks." I think it's actually. And I actually think, yeah, I think it's more than that. Yeah. So when he was saying Esper Agro what came to my mind that has actually been written about recently is esper vehicles yeah Uh (laughs) uh-huh and i'm sure we all went there and uh it is played in esper vehicles actually and um like i made a post about it in our little team chat and it's actually something that taylor our youtube channel manager who's also on team blue black uh he has been playing that to great success recently and he was incredibly flattered and was actually curious where the professor got his information so we anticipate that he might have found the article on mtg1 or possibly um like one of our lists that was up on mtg goldfish and uh yeah just so incredibly flattered that that came up because it is one of the decks that we have grown to love in our format at least uh that my team has grown to love in our format so yeah that's pretty exciting uh, the part i love about that is that it what it, that's clearly not a guess he he definitely knew something about what was happening in uh the uol for sure so it's pretty cool yeah it's amazing to get that kind of attention and so yeah i but I, anyway yeah oh, sorry go ahead no just furthering the public thank you to the professor yeah <laughs> i've always kind of thought of uh, Avacyn has a, a bit of a fringe card uh, in Frontier. Like five mana is an awful lot for a four-four, but uh, I mean it's not—it's not bad, and it's definitely playable. So, and in yeah, she is so good in decks that like to play land go, which Esper Vehicles is definitely one of those decks. She's just such a beating on turn five. Yeah, and you know we see her pop up in some of the bigger Coco decks. We see her in Spirits. I've seen her in Abzan in place of something like Wigmate Rock. I don't think that there will ever be a place where Avacyn doesn't see some play in Frontier. I think you if you're playing, I think if you're playing Avacyn in some of those lists, you're playing that list really wrong, really wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you don't think uh, like a Mirror Breaker in a Bant Coco that's not human based? I mean, that's where we used to see a lot of Avacyn. Yeah, but why why would you go for a five drop there as opposed to so, like I don't know even just more trackers you know like if you're just aiming <laughs> to grind like I don't think she grinds any better than any of your other possibilities that also get hit by Coco. Okay, okay. I think that I prefer Gideon for breaking mirrors in Collected Company, hmm. and that's also fine. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, or Tamio I can see even's it. pretty good. Tamio's pretty great at it. Oh, Tamio's great at that, yeah. I've also thought about Avacyn, and it was a Tekken standard. So, And people have been trying it lately, and some of those people win. So that's all I'm saying. It's it's a possibility. I won't. I, Finkel said something fine this time, Matt. We can give him one. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I think I think the, the big problem is we don't see enough classic mid-range in Frontier. 
which is kind of where Avison shines, like where where it's like a creature running at creature mass up, matchup. We just don't see that in Frontier as much, right? It it tends to be either hyper aggro, or it tends to be, um, like something like control or, or turbo emrakul combo. Yeah, yeah, the control so combo aggro definitely. There's not a lot of classic mid range that isn't also running something like siege rhino. So like, and once you have yeah. siege rhino, it's kind of like why? What do you need Avison for? <laughs> right. Once you're at Siege Rhino, you don't need any more mana after turn four. Yeah, right. Like, All right. I'm going to move us along because we got a bunch more to cover here. So the next one, this one, he didn't mention it as a Frontier deck being seen anywhere, but Argyle's Bloodfast. This was the one flip card from the from the Vault that was from Ixalan, the latest set that's out. So this one's the Black Flip Enchantment. I think this might sometimes see play in like tokens lists but at the same hmm. time like getting down to five life is a really big liability in frontier and i don't really i don't know i have a hard time seeing what kind of deck or what kind of format wants you to be at five life other than like grixis death shadow Arguel's Bloodfast is a just a super good control uh sideboard card you bring it in against control, and they just lose because you draw a million cards, and there's nothing they can do. About you know, it. I've tried that. I, I, that is the one place where I've tried it. I've tried it out as a sideboard card. You know, just really looking at that front side where you pay life, you draw cards. But where I kind of compare it to is if I could be paying painful, if I could be playing painful truths and just draw three for three mana. How long is it going to take me for Bloodfast to be better than that? It's it's going to take a while. Well, yeah. there's there's also another point where you just you get past counter spells by playing it on turn two instead of turn three. Okay, and you get to play you get to use Argwell's Bloodfast at instant speed, which basically you just use at the end of their turn a whole bunch, mm-hmm. or it lets you it lets you float mana as though you're gonna do something like to basically force them to kind of play scared, um, depending on what kind of deck you're playing, uh, hmm. and basically you just you get value kind of no matter what as long as you have mana open so being able to match match like the instant speed of that control deck it can be very useful so you think it's a tempo card i mean it it, it helps in the tempo of that particular matchup i don't think it goes into a tempo deck but it helps you match the tempo of a control list which wants to fight you at purely instant speed Mm. So you, you get to keep your options open and keep them guessing while also gaining card advantage, which is the the biggest, I think, the most important part of fighting control. Yeah. Okay, so as a one-of card, I think that if you've got this and you're from the vault transform, you might find a frontier player interested in having it. You know, just a cool, shiny sideboard card. It'll see it here and there. Is that kind of where we're leaning? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it, it's it's a card that a card that has potential in the future to go into a proper deck, like a main board. Sure, sure. Think, yeah, absolutely. I think personally I think it would be like a really powerful tokens deck, but um yeah, it's got potential for sure. Alright, I'm gonna keep throwing the tough ones at you. This is one that I've tried to find somewhere as a home for it for a long time, but Arlen Cord is another card that's in this from the vault transform the professor said hey it's seeing play in frontier jund midrange well i've seen it see play in jund midrange lists and like it's it's pretty powerful mm-hmm. it, it's no gideon but it's also i think it's a lot scrappier than gideon right like it's more of like a drop them and just fight it out card yeah i think, 
I think we'd see it a lot more if, again, we were in more of a mid-range meta. I don't think it'll ever be like a powerhouse four of like Gideon and all the every deck that could run it. But yeah, I definitely yeah. think there's in kind of like aggressively oriented mid-range lists where you can use the kind of go wide aspects of her flip side and also kind of get value just out of like kind of grinding them down with her ability to shoot things and make wolves. I think there's there's definitely potential in Arlen Cord. Arlen Cord has the right abilities. She's got a little bit of a drawback in the fact that she her, her the flipping back and forth, it it's kind of attached mm. to the wrong abilities, but it, it's she's still yeah. pretty good. What I always wish with Arlen Cord is that her two pluses were switched. Yeah, if she could have her haste one on the backside and her buff the team one on the front side, she'd be so much better. She'd be Absolutely. way better. And, Absolutely. like, one thing that I think about when I, like, assess Arlen Cord over and over is that she does pass the Planeswalker test, which is why it's very upsetting that she never does see success, and it doesn't really feel powerful when you put her down. Um, like, it it doesn't have the same feel as, like, dropping a Gideon or a Liliana the Last Hope or anything like mm-hmm. that, you know? I mean, I don't think that's fair either, though, because Gideon and Liliana the Last Hope are the two best Planeswalkers in the format. I mean, yeah. You know, uh, and, well, Sahili, but oh, Sahili is not a good planeswalker. Sahili, <laughs> Sahili is broken by another card. Sahili's a bad planeswalker that just happens to combo. Okay, that's fair. All right, so um, you know, the one other thing I want to mention is that you know Arlen Cord just got more powerful because you can now have Arlen Cord and Arlen Embraced by the Moon in play at the same time. Yeah, it is pretty neat. It's it, it it's cute. I don't know. I don't know how practically useful it is. <laughs> yeah, I really you can. Then you can't play half their abilities. Yeah, yeah. And it's hard to like have as much control as you need to flip them appropriately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think another big problem is just that her her uh, the flip on her backside just it's a minus one, right? If it were just a, a yeah, zero, I think it would it would have made the card a lot more playable. Yeah. All right, so the last of the Frontier Legal cards that were in this from the Vault Transform are the five Flip Planeswalkers out of Origins. So let me talk about these kind of individually. The first is red. We've got Chandra, Fire of Kaladesh, flips into Chandra, Roaring Flame. And the Professor mentions this is played in Atarka Red right now. So is that accurate, and is this card seeing play anywhere? I mean, I don't know if it's fair to say... I have to imagine he's not necessarily saying it's seeing play in a target red as much as that would be a nice home for it. Like if you wanted to play Chandra Fire of Kaladesh, I think you could you could fit it into a target red if you wanted to. Whether okay, that not, red aggro strategies are very I, strong, yeah, I think so it's it good be. in a red aggro strategy that's not a Tarka personally. Yeah, like I actually as, agree with that. As your Thermo Alchemist number, I don't know, five through seven, I yeah. think it's a fine ad. Yeah, I've I've seen it you know do decent things in uh blue red decks and like if you flip that thing early it's a scary card oh yeah for sure oh yeah the flip so, side I mean, you can put up really, four, really five great. six damage in one turn yeah. yeah yeah she's not the most powerful or format defining of the flip walkers but i think she like again if you just have this card and you like it you can absolutely play it in frontier there there you can find a home for it if you want yeah, Where I think sure. I'm least interested in this card is the fact that Rabblemaster is not seeing a lot of play right now, and if I'm going to have a 2-2 survive for a turn, I think I'd rather have Rabblemaster than I would have Chandra. I mean, 
Yes and no. Only in the sense that, like, if your 2-2 survives for a turn, Chandra becomes a Planeswalker, right, on the next mm. turn. Whereas if your 2-2 survives for a turn and it's Rabble Master, it's still made a 1-1. Yeah, and, and it's they can block it. They can yeah. <laughs> still languish a turn later. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay, yeah, it's apples to oranges for sure. Yeah. Okay, the next one that we've got here is Jace's Vrim's Prodigy, and this is you know that card is synonymous with Frontier in a lot of people's minds. Yeah, Jace Vrim's Prodigy flips into Jace Telepath Unbound, and the Professor says it's played in four color control. It's played in a little bit more than that, to be fair. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> it's a Jace is a good card. Who knew? <laughs> so I think he was, he was specifically calling out to Dark Jeskai and that yeah, has that's what I would recently think. been putting out results uh, especially in Japan and so I think he made a good call by saying that it is played in four color control because that's the most prominent like, upper echelon deck that it's getting played in right now however uh, I, mean, I might argue Rally yeah, it also goes pretty well in just like human Coco strategies. It it goes well in just a lot of decks. I, he, I think yeah. four color. I don't like four color control. I think just go three colors and just be more streamlined. But I mean, I can't fault him for for not necessarily having that opinion because you know we do see a lot of four color control lists, and I think that it's just people like the four color control play style, even when like just Grixis control is strictly stronger. Yeah. However, like I don't think we're talking about preferences right now. We're talking about uh, decks that Jace sees play in, and they are many. He even sees play in uh, in Combo Cat. So you know, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's hard to think of a blue deck that doesn't want to run Jace Prince Prodigy. It's just such a powerful two drop. At least keep him as an, as an option. You know, even even the decks that don't, there's not a single blue deck that didn't think about him. Right, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, so the question is, is he being played somewhere in Frontier? Yes, absolutely. And in fact, there are a number of decks like Rally, like Four Color Control, where he's being played as a four of. Mm-hmm. And I think we should still bring up the fact that, you know, the blue-black control deck, that popular deck, that's kind of not playing Jace. It's, it's mostly moved on to the Azkanta, but is it being played was 100% yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Okay, so uh, the next one on white, we've got Gideon, or Kithian, Hero of Akros. So, wonderful little 2-1. The Professor said it's being played in blue-white control. I'm not 100% sure what he was looking at there. I think it, um, it sounds more to me like he misspoke. I think like, he yeah, blue-white humans. Yeah, he probably like looked at like Matt Mealing's list. Uh, yeah, I'm hoping that's what he was looking at and just, you know, said control probably more meant. You know, he saw some counter spells and thought control. I think it was just a, a mental mis- misspeak. I don't think it was... I don't think he actually thought it was control because the card doesn't make any sense in control, right? No, yeah, absolutely no, not. Yeah, wait, no, you don't. You don't want an aggressive one drop in control. <laughs> but Kithian <laughs> is absolutely being played in the aggressive white or blue white or humans. sometimes red white humans. Yeah, list, human strategy. Yeah. Oh yeah, that that deck is still it's great. We talk about it all the time. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I'm even. I'm even playing Kithian and Bant humans right now. Just to great effect. So. Um, yeah, one mana planeswalker. What what's not to like? Right, exactly. <laughs> like gives itself indestructible sometimes. You know. <laughs> All right. Uh, the next one we've got is in black. We've got Liliana Heretical Healer or Liliana Defiant Necromancer. 
So the professor brought up that it's being played in Rally right now. That I'm not 100% sure I'm behind, but I want to see if you guys think this card still has some, some homes in Frontier. I mean, it has it has seen play. So mm-hmm. when I think of a deck that wants creatures to die, I think of Rally, because it's the closest thing that we have to an Aristocrats deck in Frontier. So that's definitely, like, if I'm trying to find a shell for Liliana Heretical Healer, that's the one I'm looking at. So I think the biggest thing... The reason this doesn't see more play is just Liliana the Lost Hope kind of does what it does, only you don't have to flip it. But I think now that you the Planeswalker rule has changed, it's opened a lot of doors that maybe haven't been explored yet. Because I think I think having this and Liliana the Lost Hope on the field at the same time could so be just powerful. backbreaking. Yeah. You know, it's definitely a niche card. You know, it's not going to be a mainstream card that, like, Jace, that in black sure take a look at this card but i think it's one of those cards that just like it's always been a pet card for me it's undeniably powerful it's just whether or not it has a home and i would say right now it doesn't really but i would also Mm -hmm. say that it's a matter of time before wizards prints a powerful uh why can't i remember the name of that archetype sky just said it aristocrats aristocrats yes it's, it's a matter of time before Wizards prints powerful Aristocrats cards into Frontier, just because it's it's an archetype that comes back again and again and is popular and people love it. Right. They're not... Like, Sacrifice isn't so powerful that Wizards is going to get rid of it, especially Sacrifice without mana cost attached to it is not something that's so powerful that Wizards is going to cut it completely from their mythos. So, Well, I mean, we have Sacrifice without mana cost already, so I think really what we're likely to see is sacrifice payoffs. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I actually do think Wizards wants to avoid uh, sacrifice outlets that don't cost anything in the future. But that doesn't really matter for Frontier because we have those in the format already. What's missing from the format right now is just the payoffs. like that. Right, things the that things like that to that die. Things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So once we... Yeah, and as far as total power level... Her- Liliana definitely meets that level of that. If the cards are there in the future, she's going to see play. Unlike in modern, you know, she's just not at the power level where something's going to put her into the meta. Right. Yeah, as a three drop, she just doesn't hit that threshold of what she needs to be. So, And and the Planeswalker side of her is absolutely bonkers. Like, as just a standalone Planeswalker, like, if you could just, if you could just play this as a Planeswalker, it would probably be like number one or two in the format. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like I look at that planeswalker, and every time I've seen Liliana flip, which has been infrequent, but every single time I see that Lily flip, I'm just like, "That's got to go. That's got to go now. I can't let that thing stick around." Now you know what's my favorite thing with Liliana right now is uh, you play Smuggler's Copter on two, and then you play Liliana on three and crew it. So you're like, "Yeah, go ahead, push my Smuggler's Copter." Or, you know, I get a loot, and then I have things in my graveyard to bring back with her later. It's a great feeling. It really puts your opponent in a tough spot. You learn when you're playing Smuggler's Copter that people love to push Smuggler's Copter. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. I They're going to save some removal for it, but you don't want to kill that and get Liliana flip right away. I like that a lot. You give them an ultimatum. All right, so we're going to go with our last one here from From the Vault, and then we did have another topic we wanted to bring up. So uh, let's talk about Nissa Vastwood Seer. Yeah, so... 
this was actually something that we considered. I don't know about you guys and your Jund lists, but like... This... Hey, I'm running it in my Jund list. I actually, I fought hard to have two copies in my Jund list. Oh. I ended up lowering it down to one. Yeah, I ended up cutting it, but it, it, it was a consideration. It's something that you should consider in Jund depending on what the metagame looks like. And specifically, it's really, really good when you need card advantage and lands. Yeah. Yeah, I think... I'm not actually crazy about it in Jund in general. It's good. I'm never going to be like, oh man, you're running that. But at the same time, I think I think there's probably a better home for it. And I've talked a little bit about this idea. I think I think I've talked about this idea on the podcast. But I think there's there's a Coco ramp deck out there somewhere with hmm. where you get like all the kind of value land creatures between Sylvan Advocate, uh, yeah. Renegade Rallier, uh, Tireless, Tireless Tracker. Tracker. Yep. Yeah, Nissa Vastwood Seer, and basically, like you know, you use your Renegade Rallyer to bring back a land, uh, get get all your value out of it uh, between Tracker and pumping up this these huge so you're talking advocates about a early. Lands matter Coco deck. Basically, yeah, like some kind of green white uh, lands land value. So you're probably also going to run Ramen Up uh, Excavator as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I I would love to build that deck actually. But, we'll, um, we'll have to talk about it later because it, it's been on my mind for a while, and every time I try to sit down, I just I can't quite get there with it, like where I'm happy with the list. So, but I, I think there's got there's something there, and it, it's a matter of time before it becomes real. Now, whether or not it's real or the potential to be real is there right now, or whether it's going to happen in the future, I don't know. All right, but I think that the, the message here is that, yes, again, the power level's there. It's seeing a little bit of play. I think the professor said Abzan, whereas right now we're more seeing, you know, the Jund midrange being that green midrange deck of choice. But I don't think he was far off there on where, where he was thinking that this can find a home in Frontier. I mean, look at yeah. one worlds in an Abzan list. So <laughs> he can't be far yeah. off. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and the other thing I want to bring up is yeah, so that's kind of the end of the From the Vault. The one thing I wanted to bring up is that there were some things missing that we would have, as Frontier players, liked to see. Yeah, so the two big ones, or the three big ones that stick in my mind are the Search Res Canta, which is absolutely seeing play in Standard, seeing play in Frontier. It's seeing played in Modern. You know, it's yeah. a cool card. Um, I think Thing in the Ice could have gotten a slot. You know, that's not Thing a, in the Ice. Thing in the Ice is like, just, <laughs> absolutely. like it's it's got like a certain iconicness to it, you know? Uh, yeah, Matt loves it. We know. It was not just, it's that, not just that I love it, but it's just like I don't know. It just it it, it it's a cool, lovable card. What it is? What it Matt is. is saying actually is that it sees play in Grixis Matt Murday. So <laughs> <laughs> that that's true. And then Westvale <laughs> Abbey is the other one that I think is you know it's a staple really in Frontier. We're seeing it in the Elves list. We see it some in the Mono White Humans list. We see it in. I mean, even in some of the control lists, just as a mirror breaker, that, that card is definitely seen play in a number of places. Yeah, absolutely. We definitely always see Westvale Abbey kind of rearing its head as a one-of or a two-of. Westvale uh, Abbey, I think, is the biggest miss for me, like just on a business standpoint. Yeah, and, you know, it's very unique. It, it's something that's it's a big disappointment not to have that in the from the vault. That doesn't have to really to do anything with the value of the set as far as monetary value, if that's something that listeners care about. You know, we, we try not to be too much of a... A finance podcast, but as far as what we would have liked to see reprinted, definitely Westvale Abbey. Yeah, absolutely. And thing in the eyes. <laughs> Alright guys, let's talk about our other topic for today, uh, and let's try not to keep it too long, because we're already at uh, about a half an hour here. 
And that's about uh, the ANC Games top four. You know, we had this uh, first major event run by the ANC Games in Toronto, and um, we had I think a little bit less people than turnout than we would have liked. We had some interesting decks in the top four there, some archetypes that we don't normally see. So why don't we go through that real quick and talk about what some of those lists look like, what we thought about the tournament as a whole. I mean, Matt, you were there. Why don't you uh, kind of lead us off? Yeah, I mean, the turnout was a little smaller than we would have liked. I think we got 14. We had several people kind of cancel at the last minute. Uh, I think we had three people who had just health issues pop up that day, uh, including Matt Mealing, which... Yeah, uh, so the throwdown challenge there that we had didn't quite turn out the way we wanted well, it. No, no, no. All that means is that I won. So <laughs> okay, Wasn't yeah. there some right. sort of crazy blizzard going on that night as well? Nope. Nothing Nothing of that sort. No, nah, they just got sick. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, uh, someone, I believe, was hospitalized, but I don't want to talk too much about that. So, like, you know, there was there was some real-life interference, and it, we didn't get quite as many as we... I would have liked to see 20, but, you know, you don't always get what you want. All right. Either all right. way, we did we did have a lot of fun though, so I can't I can't uh, trash talk it. It was a blast. Everyone had fun, and I, I do think the top four lists like you could play them in the UOL and be vi- and be plenty competitive with them. Now I want to talk to you about that winning list because you know, oh we see gosh. it. And we're, we're thinking it's it's ah. Uh, it's a mess, in my opinion. I'm the, I'm <laughs> Dude, the brewer here. Okay, wait, no, this is our litmus test, right? If Finkel thinks that it's a mess is it a mess right i mean i would probably clean up a few things in this list but i think it was very potent it was all right so let's let's run through this list real quick and it was very uh not versatile very durable like it it didn't just fall over you know it was resilient is what you're saying resilient yes resilient Thank you. <laughs> so I see I see this deck listed on MTG Goldfish as four color prowess. It might be called four color battle rage combo, four color brawl. I don't know here. So let me run through it real quick. We've got nineteen creatures of four monastery swift spear, three brawl chief of compliance, four storm chaser mage, four mantis rider, four woodland wanderer. And that is the uh, the the vigilance trample creature with converge. So it comes in with plus one, plus one counters equal to the number of colors you cast it with. So if you cast it for blue, red, white, green, it's a 6-6 six, six Vigilance Trample for four. And then they've got Blossoming Defense, three of, three Negate, four Teamer Battle Rage, four Become Immense, four Prepare to Fight, which is the Aftermath card, the white-green one, and then 23 lands in this deck. And then Sideboard, the Sideboard was even more of a little bit of a scare here. He just had Hushwing Griff, Soulfire Grandmaster, Fevered Visions, and Savage Alliance. And the only part of the sideboard I disagree with is the Soulfire Grandmaster, because he doesn't <laughs> yeah. have any burn, so... So that was a little bit goofy. I think that, either in the side deck or even in the main deck, we might have liked that, um... Oh, what is that that two-drop that you really like? The, um, the Prowess one. Yeah, Seeker of the Way. Seeker of the Way, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, I yeah, think, I think Seeker, Seeker of the Way would have been a much better sideboard fit. That said, I don't know if he needed the lifelink, uh, just because mm-hmm. uh, Prepare to Fight in those grindy matchups or no sorry aggressive aggro matchups usually was enough from what i saw <laughs> all right yeah i mean that does give lifelink so you uh, think i, I saw him gain worth it in this deck? i saw him gain 32 life in one turn from that <laughs> wow finkel where does that put you it's just such a mess. So what I would do, I think, if I were playing with this deck, and actually I have looked with this deck. I've been trying to, you know, see where it might be able to go. 
I, I think I would first look at, is it possible to drop the white? And then maybe even, is it possible to drop the green as well and see if blue-red is just better? Because that mana scares me. Yeah, I mean, I agree a little bit. I think I would actually look at dropping the green before I would drop anything else. Yeah, I agree. I think, it strikes me as a Jeskai list first. Yeah, I think I think you replace the Blossoming Defense with Counterspells. Mm-hmm. And probably you just find some lower curve uh, kind of win conditions or, or ways to sneak damage through. Like, there's no reason this deck shouldn't have Lightning Strike to me. Um, yeah, absolutely. But, but again, I, this deck was also like, it was very tricky. You never knew what he was up to. Hmm. And then he had a lot of different ways to just screw you out of nowhere. Okay, I can see that with, you know, a 6-6 six, six getting double strike trample. That, that's a big... Yeah, uh, and there was a lot of pressure too, right? So it just, it had a really, at, at its core, it's it's really kind of similar to a, just a red deck wins list. Um, and I, I know that it's missing a lot of core cards, but Storm Chaser Mage kind of fits into that really well. Okay. And the fact that uh, enough of its uh, threats have flying or evasion of mm. some sort, like there's no one really that can block a 6-6 six, six Woodland Wanderer in the format. No, absolutely not, no. So if they just don't, have to want that fatal push for it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And th- the reality is that they just don't always have a fetch fatal push ready. Like okay. Six six is huge. It, it, so it is a little. Card, sorry, go ahead. Oh no, I think the one card that I really want to see, I really wish I had seen with this archetype with Baral here, is the insult to injury, the red red um, aftermath card. Mm, I mean, that yeah, one, the one that doubles damage. Seems like it would fit right in with that. You know, that double cost reduction, that double damage. It, seems like it would be decent. It sounds cute. Uh, in the sense that, like, I kind of feel like uh, Become Immense or Temer Battle Rage already do that job better. Sure, I think I was looking at it if we've taken out maybe the green, maybe the white as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. But I mean, I, again, this deck was surprisingly resilient and surprisingly fast. And and the big thing that I encountered when I he was my only loss uh, in the tournament. So when the big thing that really hurt me was fevered visions i just mm-hmm. I, I sideboard yeah, yeah that's a great sideboard card yeah all right well let's look at the number two list here the number two was a jund delirium list not too dissimilar to what we've been seeing quite a bit of ourselves i think that there's a few you know one of here and there there's a little bit more of an aggressive slant than what we were even doing but you know it's kind of those usual creatures we're seeing we've got some walking ballista we see a dead eye tracker we see a single Den Protector, which is cool. You know, missing that card quite a bit. Mm-hmm. He's got a couple of Kite Sail Freebooter main deck. The Seder Wife Finder that we're used to seeing. Goblin Dark Dwellers. Ishkana. He's got a Nauseous Gear Hulk. You know, that's another nice way to get an artifact in the graveyard. And then, of course, Emrakul the Promised End. Along with some Planeswalkers of Liliana and Chandra. And then a whole bunch of removal. You know, Fatal Push, Abrade, Collective Brutality. And then some of those uh, Kologon's Command, Unlicensed Disintegration, Cut to Ribbons. And some of the Jund, you know, value. He's got the Traverse the Overwald, Grapple with the Past, and Pulsamarasa. Yeah, I mean... Oh, and Vessel of Nascency, sorry. Yeah, not too Pulsum much to Rasa. say here. It's, uh... Pulsamarasa's good. No, Pulsamarasa's a, is is a great card. I just really enjoy every time I see it. I'm not laughing because I think it's bad. I think it's <laughs> gotcha. like... Every time I see it, I'm like, oh my gosh, I loved that in draft, and I can't believe it sees playing Constructed. 
So, well, it's saying, like, what does a Tarka Red do when you pull some Rasa turn three? Uh, and then cry. And then do it again on turn five with Goblin Dark Dwellers after a uh, traverse the Olvenwald. Like, they just. That's 12 life, right? I'm playing it in the sideboard of my Jun deck, I know. Yeah. I think a oh, one of. A... I think you could probably justify it as a one of main board for Turbo Bomber Cool. Overall, I think the tuning is a little off, and like there's some changes I would make. Like I, I would probably not run Noxious Gearhulk. I would have two Goblin Dark Dwellers. Hmm. Yeah, I prefer two Goblin Dark Dwellers for sure. Man, guys, if we go down this tangent with Jundelirium, we're going to talk for forever. Oh yeah, we could definitely talk more about Jundelirium. So we're going we're <laughs> to. You know, wait, I want to say wait. About... I get to, I get to say something about Jundelirium. Okay, <laughs> go for it. Um, so I I am not sure if I agree with unlicensed disintegration. Personally, I mean, I know that we can go and look for our walking ballistas to turn it on, um, but it it just doesn't strike. It, it it seems like the kind of card where you want to have an artifact focused deck in order hmm. for it to do the thing that makes it better than Fatal okay. Push. Okay, let me let me ask so. you then. What are you what are you running in that slot instead? Right, because this is that's there because he wants unconditional removal. He wants to be able to just kill anything. No matter what it is, basically, I'm yeah, running I'm murderous with you there cut. In that. Yeah, but, okay, that's exactly so what I was going to say as well. The, the, I think that could be murderous cut, which does you know play badly with some of the other things. But I, it does I, play I badly with it. But I have so much mana, so much of the time that it's like what? So I'm getting rid of one of the lands out of my graveyard. That's fine. So yeah, one or two. What happens when you want to use Goblin Dark Dwellers on murderous cut? Okay, that's fair. Yeah. So that, that I can also see, Goblin Dark Dweller would also be a reason not to run Vraska's Contempt maybe in the same slot, which also might fit yeah. otherwise. The, the biggest reason is Goblin Dark Dwellers, and I think the right, I think one is way too low for this list. But Right, because I mean, he's only running one Goblin Dark Dweller, so it's pr- yeah. easily not well, like the key to his strategy. Well, but, I mean, on the other hand, he has four Traverse the Elvenwald, right? So. And mm-hmm. two Chandra, which is something I wouldn't do. But, um, okay, so it, one more thing I will say that is an addendum to what you said about murderous cut is I decided not to run radiant flames in the sideboard for the same reason and switched it to Colgon's command, not Colgon's command. Um, Kozilek's return. Yeah. So like, I, I totally get what you're saying. And that's been a big reason for considerations and in a lot of cards that I've chosen. Yeah. And what about to the slaughter? That might be another one he could put in that spot. That's actually what I run in my turbo armor cool list. And I, I Mm -hmm. rather like it. Yeah, I think that might have a better spot there. Yeah. You Especially can also no run you can also run never to return if you don't mind the sorcery speed and it does something in your graveyard. So Yeah, I think well, he's lacking a way to pressure some planeswalkers. The problem so is that never to return can't be hit by goblin dark dwellers anymore, right? No, it can't. Oh Which right, because it's so big. Well then you can run um uh what's the what's the one from uh Battle oh, for Zendikar. Yeah, the one that the uh, one with uh, um Awaken. Yeah. Either way, it doesn't matter. We've we've covered this list. This is <laughs> yeah, we've covered okay, this list. Yeah. Okay, let, yeah, we'll let's talk. Move on. We'll talk about Jund forever. <laughs> you know, there was some there was some jank deck that won number three. We can skip over that. <laughs> uh, I think you mean the best deck at the tournament. All right, so yes, we are proud to announce that Matt Murday, sorry, um, hit the Grixis thing in the ice deck and took third place here. So we are we are glad to say that uh, that's gone on. Grixis Murdays has a foothold. <laughs> Honestly, you guys need to play with this deck. This deck is way better than you're giving it credit for. It's a, no, no, it's I don't think we're, we're completely behind you. We're just, uh, we're just happy to see you up there in the winning list for once. Now that you, you were talking a lot of trash before the uh, the tournament. Well, I'm secretly yeah, a really I, bad player, so 
<laughs> it, it's a miracle anytime I do well. Uh, we did cover this in our last episode when we were talking about what he would be bringing to this tournament, but we can. Is there anything else you want to say about the deck that we haven't already covered? Uh, I just want to, you know, call attention to the fact that Matt Mealing chickened out. He didn't show up. So I think what we can take from that is, you know, I, I top eight, or I top Ford, and dinosaurs suck. Is All right. So horror tribal beats dinosaur tribal. I didn't catch that. <laughs> I said horror tribal, you know, because oh, uh, yeah, because thing in the ice is clearly a horror tribal card more than anything else. I mean, I don't really know that the horror part matters. No, it really usually only matters is that it won't bounce your other ones. Yeah. Non-horror creatures. Hmm. How can how can we reverse engineer this? How can we tech against get get rod toad get rod frog? That's that's the secret. <laughs> tech. Yep, yeah, alright, so I'm putting two Gitrog and a single Sunken Hollow now in Bant Humans. Cool. Yep. Yeah, mu- right, it can't good. go wrong. Must must be good. No, nope, absolutely. It seems, seems put it airtight. Where you put it. <laughs> so our last of our top four here is an Ebzan aggro list, so nothing too surprising there. You know, it's what we like to see. Elvish Mystic, Warden of the First Tree, Anafenza, Thalia, Tireless Tracker, Siege Rhino, Gideon. That sounds... Right, what I'd like to see. I think so, the real twist here is that little bit of a blue splash. He's running Stubborn Denial in the main deck as a two of, and a couple of Disdainful Stroke in the side. Nice. I mean, standard Abzan aggro. Uh, Chris Haw, yeah. who was playing this list, uh, literally picked it up off his shelf after months of not playing and just brought it. He didn't do anything to it. He just picked it up and brought it. And Chris Haw is like a a career Abzan player. I was just he plays Abzan in every format he plays, so that, that's what you get. So, anything you would have suggested to him if he was trying to update this list before the tournament? Uh, let me give it a quick look over. I mean, I think it's pretty good, honestly. I uh, yeah, it, it seems looks like, like what an we Abzan like list. It's mm-hmm. exactly kind of what's the sideboard like? Yeah, I don't know. I, I haven't personally ever really been a fan of Obnixless Reignited in the sideboard, but okay. just because it's expensive, and I think by the time in the matchups you want it, by the time you get it, it's usually too late. So, and I think you just that could just be another Gideon. Okay. If you wanted to bring in like a, a more a grindy truths. game plan, yeah, or painful truths, or, or maybe an Argoyle's Bloodfast. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's mostly for the mid-range uh, mirrors, that where you just want to grind them kill out. a creature with it if you want that real value. Yeah, but I think unless you're kind of if you're if you're at all behind on board, like if they just curved out faster than you, he doesn't really do anything for you. You know, so I think I'd rather just see that be a Gideon. Gideon's more consistent. Gideon's good, you know, and you're not running for Gideon to begin with. But I mean, that's pretty. Overall, a really minor nitpick, right? Like, that's one sideboard card. Yeah. Abzan Aggro is a good deck. This is an Abzan Aggro deck. Mm-hmm. All right, so that's about all we had for this tournament. We've got these lists as well as a few more from that tournament listed online. You'll be able to find the full lists later if you want to look us up. Um, and that's really all we had planned for this show. We did, though, want to mention something special. We just want to, want, you know, it's a topic that's going on right now, and it's something that's important to us. So we want to just talk a little bit about inclusion in Magic. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to speak to this as the host of the Untap Open League, and I want to say that if you recognize hate speech in any form, 
and if someone is talking to you about what you are rather than who you are as a person and what you identify as, then please talk to me and I will put an end to it right away because that's not what we stand for as a community and we want to be opening, open to anyone and accepting of everyone and you will always have an ally in the Untap Open League. You know, it really blows my mind that we still have to talk about this in 2017. It's kind of like... I don't even know what to say because of it. It's just, how about we just don't be dicks? That's yeah, that everybody like. It's a shame that you know maybe it had been hiding a little bit more, and we're just kind of peeling it off. But that's really what we want to say is that we uh, we don't have anything big prepared. We don't have anything specific to call out right now. But we would just want to say that we're out there. We're putting our names out there. That if we're ever you're ever playing in a magic store with us, you're ever playing in a tournament with us, or if you're online, we're happy to speak for you. We're happy to come to us and help you if there's anything that we can do to help make you more comfortable make you feel like you're accepted in the magic community we are we're absolutely there we're putting our names on that list and we will stand up for you and we will we will stop hate speech anywhere that we see it awesome yeah so a little bit more somber than we normally end our shows here but let's wrap up for the week um just want to call out you know our normal current events we've got the uh, the untap open league has been running well uh we're about halfway through our our season two of ixlon We'll keep you updated when there's going to be signups for the new set coming out. We also have been streaming a weekly match every Tuesday afternoon, so those will continue happening. So uh, other than that, we're uh, looking for some ideas for our next cast. If you want to uh, tweet us out at anything, you as always, you can contact us at mtgfrontier, mtg underscore frontier on Instagram, reddit.com r slash mtgfinalfrontier, and you can also find our Discord on any of those. So, uh, it was good to have you guys. Matt, I'm not sure if we'll have you next time, but it was great to hear from you tonight. Yeah, uh, as always, happy to be here. It was a great time. I unfortunately won't be joining you next time, but probably the time after that. So, uh, you know, stay strong without me. I know it's going to be sad and there might be some tears, but uh, you guys <laughs> will make it. I I believe in you. All right, we'll just replace them with, uh, with Tony and uh, Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> Re- reach yeah. out to him maybe he'd be down i don't know yeah we'll see but yeah kevin and it's uh, always great to hear from you too but uh, as always for everyone out there we look forward to being your go-to source for frontier information online your final frontier